What's up, DJs? We're here with another Mindful Good Morning, a show where we talk about crypto, NFTs, and the happenings of life. You can participate with us by checking it out every Monday to Saturday at 9.30 a.m. CST on our Twitter spaces, at MindfulDGens. Without further ado, here's the episode. I'm in a, a, a chat in Facebook uh, that's all about crypto, and it's like, they're, they're pretty cool dudes for the most part, but... Um, you know, they're the kind of, a lot of them, not all of them, but, but a lot of them are the kind of guys that, you know, they don't understand crypto. So they rather just have a diverse spread and hope something hits. Um, so like we went in there this morning and we started talking, somebody was said something about Luna and then I said something. So we started talking and then this one guy comes up and just says, you guys, you guys should stop talking about that. Like you really, you know, you stop with the I told you so. It's like nobody's giving an I told you so. Like we're having a conversation about the thing. He's like, yeah, but you know, like a lot of people lost money. And it's like, okay, but like this is a conversation for us to talk about crypto and stuff. So like, what the heck? And and so, you know, we go back and forth. So I'm like, bro, listen, if there's a if there's a list, if there's a, a, a list of topics that we can and can't talk about, please send it to me and I will make sure that I adhere to it. Um, but you know, he kept coming back and forth. And then finally, another dude just pulled up and was like here and he just started he pulled this textbook picture um and like this this uh this whole breakdown um of like classical technical analysis and then showed the usdt picture and uh i was like one second let me take a look at that and then i had to meme it just to to really solidify it because it is literally textbook type shit here when you really break it down and look into it and it's like wow like this is what happens when you you know, try to inject value into something that's pegged to something else that is having value either injected into it or assigned to it based on something else. So like, this is, it's, it's, again, I'm not trying to say I told you so, but it's like, you know, compared to, this is what I mean. Like when you have actual technology, if you understand the fundamentals of web three, then, you know, it's easy to find L1s and, you know, really opportunistic L2 um protocols that you can look at and those will be the things that will have the investments over time and the, and the returns over time um you know compared to these you know opportunistic theoretical uh you know tokenomic models that have never been proven to work um sure there's obviously going to be the opportunity and sure eventually somebody probably will come through and make something that will work uh you know and in this case like usdt worked for quite a while until it didn't and I think that that's kind of the issue. If you look at, and this is where you look at Bitcoin, you look at Ethereum, you look at all these other chains. It's like every time that there was until it didn't, it still rebounded. Bitcoin to the point where it can be classified at this point in time as a traditional currency almost based on how many actual, you know, um, events of magnitude that would have completely um, like dissolved other currencies that bitcoin has gone through and lived through and built back from so it's just it's interesting to me that that uh that that people kind of get butthurt about this because i'm like yo if this is and again like if you're investing your fucking retirement fund into like this type of stuff like i don't i feel like this is less to do with the coin not having good tokenomics models and people more or less investing with money that they shouldn't be investing with Yeah, I shouldn't be investing with any money. I'm too dumb to do it, but I do it anyway. Well, there you go. As long as you have that mindset and you're like accepting of it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, 
you know, I, I think I had one real loss at one point and it was early on where it was, it was more than I should have invested. And like it dropped to zero and I was just over leveraged on one thing. Like if you looked at my portfolio allocation, it was like two thirds of my portfolio was this random shit coin. And I, I was, I just had such conviction. I was like, this thing is gonna moon this thing is going to make me rich. And then it went to zero essentially. And I was like, Oh was man. Sharing what it was. Sometimes it's funny when you, when you share like what the shit coin actually was like, it, it's almost like laughable to look back at some of the coins that I thought were like going to explode or something. You know what I mean? Burn pile yeah, wants it, to know because he thinks that he also had the same coin. I want the alpha. I'm, I'm going to go back and buy it. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to say which coin it was because I, I have some friends that uh, connect. It, no, it, it was an exchange that uh, they were very compliance focused. And I thought that that was like wise at the time, um, you know, and like seeing what has happened to some exchanges since I, I still think it's wise to be compliance savvy, but I, I think that they were so hesitant uh, and like risk averse that they weren't finding the right balance. And it was just that. And then like not making the connections in your space, you need to, to bring in volume and an exchange without volume is just dead in the water. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I just kept like, investing more and more into it being like dude when the volume comes this thing's gonna freaking fly and the volumes just never came and so that's life uh you know i lost maybe a bitcoin and a half a bitcoin something something pretty big for a small wallet that i have but like when was you that? Know, what when was that uh over the course of about a year and a half from like 2018 to 2020 okay okay so bitcoin definitely wasn't where it is now so it's not you know as big of a deal but it kind of is because you don't have that bitcoin right now well yeah that's the thing is like you know like when i started out i think i've only ever put about twelve thousand dollars into crypto and it was put in over time so i've maybe put in like a one and a half bitcoins total and everything else has been made through making art and selling it lately or before just wise investing choices and markets going up and down. Um, so this was like, you know, essentially two thirds of my wallet just wiped out because I over leveraged uh, and just poorly allocated and had too much conviction in one thing. And it, it really taught me valuable lessons that I think have paid off enough that it paid for itself. You know, sometimes you have to like actually really burn yourself to understand the realities of like, yeah, you can screw yourself hard. Uh, and it, it, it really taught me that like, as long as you don't over allocate, like, yeah, you may not get the like million dollar paycheck, but you're still in the game and being in the game in crypto is like how you win. Like, it's the stubborn people that have been around since 2014 that like are all very well off now. And I don't think that they really were like smarter than us or finding like the true alpha so much as they never risked it all. They always were able to say like, man, I lost a chunk there. That sucks. 
but still have another chunk completely diversified in something else and have that balance. Yeah. One of my favorite clients said kind of something similar. He, uh, he worked, um, in, and he still does work for, uh, it's, it's called like the, like the Bureau of Trade or something like that. I forgot what it's called. It's, it's up in Chicago and it's like the stock market for like gold and commodities and stuff like that. Uh, bonds, all of that shit. So he's been working there trading bonds and, and commodities and shit since 2009 coming out of, out of uh, school um, and getting a degree in that shit. And, um, you know, now he's into NFTs and Web3. And, you know, that was something that he talked about. He had heard me mention, you know, the term fumble. And, uh, you know, he thought that was funny. And uh, he says he calls it tuition. Uh, he says, because there's always it's it's like he says, where else are you going to go and spend that kind of money to learn the kind of lessons that you do? You know what I mean? So, like, it's it always happens. There's if you're going to be a trader to the scale where you're actually going to be making money, you want to be pulling profits, you want to be doing it more than just as a novice. Like, if you really want to go full send and become professional to some degree, however you consider that, um, you're gonna end up having some of those fumbles at some point in time. You're gonna and you're gonna pay that tuition, as he says, because that's just the name of the game. That's getting yourself dirty and and playing and and making your own decisions. And that's kind of what we mean too, though, by like, you know, make your own mistakes. It's the traders that are willing to go through that and that have enough foresight to be like, okay, I'm not gonna put all my fucking, you know, I'm not gonna put my house into this. I'm not going to take out a second mortgage and then ape into this fucking shit coin because my friends told me to. It's the people that are more practical and, you know, have that critical thinking ability um, that, you know, when they do lose that money, it's okay because they had planned on it potentially being lost anyway. They're able to learn from it, though, and they're able to reverse engineer and analyze that exchange those interactions and even their own behavior and i think that's probably the most critical thing in the space right now is to be able to go back and like analyze your own mental behavior especially when it comes to looking at charts especially when you have that euphoric like oh man this is it like we're going to the fucking moon like that's the point in time where you should be most critical and analytical about your process and how you're going to move forward. And th that's especially when technical analysis helps. Technical analysis doesn't help for shit when, when the markets are moving sideways. Technical analysis helps when things are spiking and, and surging or dipping ridiculously low so that like right now you can try to find a bottom. Like hopefully this morning and last night, hopefully we found a bottom with most of the markets. You know, Solana's up in double digits. We're seeing ETH bumping back up. Uh, over 2000, like we're, we're seeing that. And there was a lot of people yesterday that were trying to catch knives. So, you know, it's at this point now where you see the people that are making those strategic decisions to buy back into dollar cost average and to start moving their way back up if they actually have the conviction to be in. And that's another thing that you realize too, is, you know, I, I really do feel bad for all of the Luna holders and the Terra holders that had true conviction in the chain and weren't just buying shit coins just for the shit, you know, for the sake of it, because, you know, those are the people that say, you know what, I'm not going to look in my bag. I'm just going to let this ride out. And then the chain turns off. So yeah, it's, 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 you know, you gotta, you gotta have critical thinking, I think in this space, I think that's the most important skill to have more than anything else. Yeah. In a, in like more traditional markets, like actual, you know, leverage trading, for example, I think it's like nine out of 10 leverage traders lose money. Uh, and what people need to remember is that n like pretty much nine out of 10 leverage traders 
only try it for about a year and they get liquidated and then they leave. And like, mm-hmm. and that's why, because they have not learned. Uh, it's like going to school for one year and failing a class and being like, well, I guess I, I guess school's not for me. Like, no, you need to stick with it. Like you've already learned a lot of this stuff. Like take that class again, you're probably going to pass. Um, but you have to actually learn your lessons and they're expensive lessons in this space because they're as expensive as you decide to make your course. You know, you can learn all the Mm -hmm. same lessons on a hundred dollar leverage account. As long as you pretend that hundred dollars is $10,000 and never risk at all. Um, and then when you lose $50 of it on one bad trade, yeah, just pretend it was an expensive lesson, but like, really keep it in that mindset of if I was playing with the full 10,000, like I wanted to be, what would I have learned and taken away from this? Uh, but for lots of people, that's hard to do because it's not $10,000. They actually have to be playing with the $10,000 and really feel the consequence for it to sink in. I know I did. Cause I tried mm-hmm. to play with like low amounts at first and I, I wasn't treating them the same as high amounts. Like I was like, oh yeah, no, like we can risk it. Oh, it lost. It's no biggie. It's 50 bucks. And it's like, no, like you got to pretend it's 5k. You ever look into like paper trading and stuff too? Like I, I like the concept of like paper trading and simulations and stuff like that as well. If you're trying I, to get into the space. I like the concept, but I need the actual physical punishment of failure in order for my brain to learn the mistake. Right. I mean, and you know, to me, it's, it's okay to like lose 10,000 bucks. Like as long as you have the 10,000 bucks and can lose it, like, yeah, it's not the end of the world. Like if your stack is 15,000 and you lose 10 and you allocated, like I can lose this whole 15, then it's fine. Like it sucks. You're not going to be having a good day that day. But mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, like, hopefully you'll have learned more than $10,000 worth of lesson. Uh, it's just a very expensive lesson. Exactly. That's that tuition he was talking about. It's expensive as shit, but you learn. It's like it's like that quote in Friday where it's like, you win some, you lose some, but you're still alive. Well, one expensive lesson I learned during the last bear market was bear markets can potentially last a very long time. Um, You know, like you mentioned catching knives and like how it looks like we've found a new floor and we're rebounding now. And that's great. Like I personally am not throwing any new capital in. I'm on the sidelines still. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if I was to throw capital in, I would not throw in a large amount. I'd be throwing in however much you think of like, you want to throw in throw in a third of that and Mm -hmm. worst case scenario like it goes up and you didn't fully capitalize on the dip but if it does continue to go down if next week we're down another 20 percent, you still have two-thirds of the capital that you would have thrown in and you can throw in another third Mm -hmm. Uh, because last bear market like end of 2017 beginning of 2018 you know, Bitcoin slowly went from 20,000 down to 3,000. And it was like over the course of six months. And 
probably the first month and a half of it, I threw in all my dry powder and I was like, this is the dip. I'm going to buy the dip. We're going to dollar cost average. And after about a month and a half of that, you know, Bitcoin was at like 12,000 and I'm like, yeah, I went from 20 to 12. I've been seriously buying this dip. We're going to be good. And if I would have just slowed down and been like, mm, let's throw in a third of as much as I want to buy the dip. I could have kept buying dips for another four months and dollar cost averaging lower and I would have had a much better overall dollar cost average, you know, and the trade-off there is if it had only gone down to 12 and then gone up, I'd have still caught some dips. I just wouldn't have gotten as good of uh, overall stack built up. So making sure that balance happens, uh, if this is potentially a long-term bear market is something that I'm trying to be really focused on this time around of, I'm going to throw fresh powder in. I'm going to do it very slow and be okay with like, ideally, even if it's a six month bear market, I'll be like, wow, I was planning on throwing powder in for a whole year. I guess I didn't throw it all in. Like, that's what I'm hoping to have happen. I, is... think, I, I think that's great advice. Um, and that's something I've, you know, it, the same way learned the hard way. And from now, now my take on it is pretty much kind of what you just said. Um, but at the, you know, at the same time, I feel like everyone, they have this desire to like to day trade, you know, and if you, if you still have that desire where, you know, you, you want to not be a firm holder on your bags, uh, listen to what Kat's saying. And like, like you said, like you don't want to miss out on buying, you know, in the bear market, but then what if the bear market continues and you like for the next couple months, keep getting a chance at a lower price. So what he said with, uh, you know, only use a third of whatever you wanted to use, that will actually uh, pay you off later because, you know, what if the price keeps going down? But anyways, my main point was uh, I like to separate my bags into like three different main bags. Like I have like the, the long term, okay, I'm putting this money in and like not really looking at it, kind of like what Dennis was talking about with, you know, the Luna holders. Um, and then I have like the kind of like more intermediate bag where, you know, I'm willing to move it around between coins and play the market. You know, and then I might have like a, a small percentage of my total capital that, you know, I just play around and day trade with and, you know, have fun and, you know, maybe get lucky or maybe get really pissed off, you know, who knows. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you got to be married to like one specific type of trading. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm long term only like I'd fuck day trading or like, oh, I'm not holding long term like I'm day trade only like no, spread your bags out, you know, like don't take such a hard hit on whatever it is, you know, that goes wrong or good. Uh, but yeah, great points, man. On the flip side of that, I will say that, well, you shouldn't be married to one type. You should definitely specialize in one type. What I mean by that is, uh, like, let's say right now I decided, like, hey, I'll give you 500 bucks if you want to try, like, leverage trading. Um, like, yeah, you can give it a shot. You're going to get liquidated, though, uh, just so you know. If you've never leverage traded before, you're going to get liquidated. And so, like that said, it, even though it is another type of trading, it may be worth risking 500 bucks and giving it a shot. But, like, don't be like, oh, yeah, I can leverage trade too. Like, if you want to leverage trade, like, you need to spend time, devotion, and energy and really learn the tricks of that trade. Just like if you want to day trade shit coins, like, you need to understand those skills and they take time to learn. So, if you're trying to learn 30 different skills, 
you're going to be a master of none. Um, and learning those skills is a lot different than just like being like, yeah, I'm going to stake some ETH for five years. Like that's not a skill that needs learned. That's like a one-time thing you do once. I like the fact too, that Fetsy brought that up. I, Cause a lot of people talk about diversifying their bags and they talk about just getting, like I said, especially a lot of these crypto traders that don't understand crypto fundamentals or blockchain fundamentals, you know, they think diversifying their bags means just go and grab as many coins as, as many people are talking about. And that's like such a bad thing. It's like, it's like, look at this too. It's like, yeah, the, you know, you think that that's a good strategy because you're increasing the likelihood that the coins themselves, one of them will pop off just like kind of like cat strategy with like dealing with one-on-one artists. Like if you get, if you do your, your research the right way and you go find your artists in the bear market that are just coming in at the right time and starting out and, and putting in their energy and you know how to analyze that, then you can buy these art, this art from these, these individuals, um, you know, right now, and, and it will probably more than likely go up. And if you buy 50 pieces, you know, the odds of one of those artists, um, actually doing well over time is, is, is pretty high. Um, you know, especially and it, it increases like the longer you hold and the more active those artists are. So again, though, that's a fundamental analysis. And if you're doing fundamental analysis of crypto, which most people don't, again, if you jump into a lot of these, especially like Facebook crypto trading groups, it's all conjecture. It's people just spinning each other around and saying like, well, this is what I think. And this is what I think. And they'll take one graph, one screenshot from Robin hood of like a generalized average chart. And then be like, look at this. That's all the confirmation bias I need. So, you know, when you really get into understanding, you know, it's less about like, and especially if you don't, you don't even have to be a fucking genius, but like, like, as long as you're able to say like, yo, there is fundamentals here and diversifying across long-term and short-term is a way better strategy in my opinion. So that way you can say like, yo, these are the things that I'm going to put money in that I actually think will do well over time. And that forces you when you put money into that long-term bag to actually dedicate a little bit of time and energy into doing more research into the things that you plan right, on holding right. for longer versus think, the shit that you're just going to spread around on the weekdays, trying to figure out what you can make a five or 10% gain on. I think one of the biggest pieces of advice to pull out of that. Um, and I, I can't tell you on as far as art and NFTs goes. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm not very good at investing in those, but as far as just investing into coins and you know projects and technology goes, I'm pretty confident with my investments. And uh, I had to learn that you know through the hard way. And I think the number one thing to you know to convince yourself that hey, I'm making a good investment here is never ever ever invest in any coin or any project or anything just because t t tons of people told you to. Like it doesn't matter how many people told you to invest in something. Your your good true long term investments you have to have a reason for yourself, like something that you can tell yourself, hey, I believe in this project for this reason. And it's not because, you know, someone might have told you that before, but you need to confirm and know like, why are you investing into this project? Um, so, you know, that's why I pick for my long investments, you know, things that I believe long-term will be around. So uh, yeah, just don't ever like listen. I think that's what got a lot of Luna people in trouble is like they, were so dedicated to holding these Luna bags, but they didn't even really know like how, how the fuck Luna even worked, you know? So, uh, just, you know, it's, it's all a learning experience. I feel like that's, you know, interesting from a marketing perspective too when you analyze it, because it almost seems like the more convoluted 
a project is, it almost seems as if that actually attracts more people that don't understand as much and are FOMOing in. Because you'll, I've, I can't say how many posts I've seen from people saying like, yo, a friend told me to do it. I put 25K into it and now it's worth, you know, $10 or something like that. I'm pissed. And it's almost like you, you and it's like, okay, well, that's not your friend's fault. That's your fault for blindly jumping into something with five figures worth of cash thinking that, you know, that's like an okay thing to do. Like that, that shows a, a very like massive you know, gap in your critical thinking capabilities, like, or you just trust everybody. And that's, that's a critical thinking issue again. And it's not like we're talking shit, but it's like, again, I think there's, there's something about how convoluted it is because like you said, Luna, Terra, that whole ecosystem, you know, for the average, for the, for the intermediate person in the web three space is still something that takes time and energy to like really understand how it works. You have to understand leverage trading. You have to understand the arbitrage between, you know, two different currencies, uh, pegging to Bitcoin versus pegging to the dollar. Like there's so many things that you have to understand. So imagine being like that random person, which apparently there's a lot of people that were first time holders that were holding a big bag of Luna because their friends told them to get into it. And probably all they needed to see was they needed to hear somebody that can explain it to them completely all the way through. They're confident enough. They, they showed them their phone and say, look at these returns right here. See that number right there. Yeah. That's how much I've gotten over the last two weeks. And then that's all that person needs to see to just go ham and cheese right into it. Um, and again, because it's too complex for them, they're not going to spend too much more time doing it. And then the more that they open up their phone every once in a while and see, oh, well, yeah, that's doing good. And they close it and they see that consistent return on whatever it is, the 20% on Anchor or just, you know, the consistent growth with Luna by itself. That's literally all they know about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they need to see. And then, and then eventually the more and more that they interact with that, the more, the less they stop checking it and the less they care about actually looking into how it actually works. And then one day something like this happens where it's just a complete pitfall and there's not even enough time to try to understand what's happening and to be able to react in um, the, the best way possible. Like you're, it's gone and I feel bad, but like at the same time, it's like, how many of those people, because like when I talk to the real traders that are like, like, you know, full-time professional, I don't know very many like full-time professional traders that were like just dumping bags into Luna unless they were like had other money to fucking spend. Well, I agree with everything that you just said, like in sentiment about people taking responsibility for their own investments and everything. But I think one of the things about the Luna crash that's like, I mean, first of all, there there was like three three or more of the biggest like v VC firms in the space that did their quote due diligence. Like, what like we're gonna hear about that at some point. Like, this isn't. We'll hear more. All those people are gonna have to explain explain for themselves. And then and then you know the other thing about the Luna crash is that this isn't like some investment per se. It's it's more of like if if people did actually try to understand it. Um, you know, a lot of people got duped into thinking that this isn't necessarily investing. I can put my savings here and get 20% and crypto is risky. So you got to watch your shit and, and be, be understanding that like things can come unraveled and you got to be, be ready to pull it, I guess. But I don't know the Luna. It's still bonkers. I think too, the fact that it was pegged to Bitcoin or at least Terra was, I think that was probably something that gave other individuals some sense of confidence especially if there's, you know, you're talking to people that are trying to get away from the banking system, but they don't understand crypto enough. So like, that just seems like to me, and, and I'm just, I'm just thinking, trying to put myself in the shoes 
Um, it's just, I feel bad. I really do. But I think that there's a huge lesson to learn here. And I think that honestly, you know, most people, uh, especially the professional individuals that, you know, had bags set aside and, and were portioning it out, like it's a big loss and it blows. Um, but I think that, you know, we're going to see some recovery here. And, and, you know, for the people that lost their homes and their, their retirement funds, you know, that really sucks. But, um, you know, I, you know, at that point in time, I try to see how is this different from you taking your retirement fund and going to the casino on the weekend? Like it's, it's the same type of behavior. Yeah. I mean, that's true. If you, if you, I mean, imagine like you, you had a large savings account, so maybe not your 401k, but you had a big old savings account and, and you heard about this and you were like, Oh, okay. So I can, I can get like, that was the selling point on Luna is the bank is giving you a half percent on your, on your money that you put there. And Luna is going to give you 20%. And there's all kinds of crazy rates all over crypto. And frankly, with everything that's going on anchor and 20%, that looked like, um, that, that almost looked reasonable as high as that is, you know what I mean? It, like that was like kind of the conservative best best in class crypto rate um but yeah like i get what you're saying i'm not disagreeing with you at all i just think that like um yeah i think i think if you if you took your retirement out like took a mortgage out on your house and then put that into anchor protocol then yeah maybe you should have been watching it a little bit uh, but yeah, like, for real. Yeah. you just had your crypto bags parked there to earn your 20 percent yield like I don't know. I, would, I, would, I still would only take a, like, even if I parked my bags there, I would take like, just like Fetz said, I would take like a frack or cat. Like I would take like a fraction of what I would actually want to put in there just to put. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Lots of, I would, yeah, I know but I don't give a shit anymore. Um, yeah. I'm over it. I'm uh, if you guys want to check out the meme I made, it's the first one. Um, and then I, I posted a few other things up there. If you guys want to check out, it's national cocktail day. Uh, and it could also be a mocktail cat. So if you if you want to drink a you know a Roy Rogers or something, I got you. Um, got my my chart on Soul this morning with the MACD really fucking bullish. Lots of lots of positive uh, movement. You know, double digit percentage gains right now. So hopefully, hopefully no more knives. Um, Brondo e wallets. You guys, I don't know if you saw that or not. Go ahead and click on that Brondo e wallet thing up there. I went and said something on a on a page this morning in Facebook about something NFT related. And then some guy came back and said, NFTs are a scam. And he says, I can put an NFT into your wallet and then steal all your NFTs. Sorry. Like, and these motherfuckers like homeboy really believes that shit. Like that's how bad the FUD is on Facebook. It's thick. It's, it's, it's mostly cognitive dissonance. It's people that are they're, they're They don't like the fact that people are talking about something. And every time that they get the ability to, to jump into some negativity bias, because they see, a, a you know, some, some business insider post being posted on Facebook with a headline that's anti-crypto, it just turns into a big old circle jerk into the comment section. And, uh, you know, you just jump in there. And so, you know, I said something, and, and about NFTs and stuff. And homeboy came in with that. And it's just like, they don't do their, like, these are the people that are fighting vehemently against this. But again, if you go back to what I was saying, you know, we can assume that there's at least one person that's aware for every person that's fudding for every person that's circle jerk fudding in, in a, in a comment section on Facebook, they're bringing awareness to at least one more person that is intrigued, but doesn't care. I like to say aware, but don't care. So, there's typically, from what I can infer, a one-to-one -one 
relationship between the two of those parties. So I get excited when I start to see FUD at large scale on Facebook, because that means that there's going to be people that are going to see it. And then they're going to be like, well, that's a really unreasonable statement. Maybe this guy isn't a cuck. Let me, let me see what he has to say about this NFT thing. So, and uh, you know, with that, you end up, you know, having those one-on-one relationships and, and, and conversations with people that actually want to learn and participate and grow. And, you know, I've gotten just today, I've gotten like three DMS from people that are friends of mine. They're like, yo, I've seen you doing that thing. I want to know more, you know, and like six months ago, they would be like, oh, shit, I don't have time for that right now. But now they're coming to me saying, yo, I want to know more about that. So I'm really, really, really excited. And if you see FUD, send it my way. And if you want to read the, the, the comment, um, please do. It's, it's really, it'll make you chuckle. Uh, double digit rising from the ashes, hopefully. And again, did you know that a hacker can just put an NFT into your e-wallet and steal all your NFTs? So that's a run through of all of the things on the Jumbotron that I put up there myself this morning. It's been a busy day. Apparently Mercury's in retrograde or something. I don't fucking know. Um, moving on though, got some announcements that I'll drop real quick about the mindful DGENs. If you guys want to want to hear some announcements, if you do, Okay, I saw a heart. If you do, let me see another heart. Let me let me see a couple of emotes here so I can know that you guys actually give a shit. Okay, that's a good emote. Cat's the only one that's emoting right now. I guess I'll just DM Cat about this stuff. No, I'm joking. I'll let you know. We're going ham, guys. We're going so fucking ham. We got our YouTube set up. We got our Instagram set up. We got our TikTok set up. Alex is going to be running the fucking Snapchat. We got our Facebook page and our Facebook group set up. And I even made a fucking business, a, a Google My Business page for the Mindful DJs. I went full send with this, with my with my uh, initiative to increase and and maximize our digital presence as a community because we're trying to do what Rug Radio is doing on Twitter, but instead of just doing spaces and and a bunch of influencers that are just you know patting each other on their back. Um, we're going to be going across social media, especially on platforms like Facebook, where there's just ridiculous amounts of FUD. And we're going to be creating content that's not just spaces. We're already doing live broadcasts. We're working on series um, for YouTube. We're going to be making a bunch of shorts and stuff. We're going to be working hella hard between ourselves as a core team, which is about 10 to 12 of us. And then we also have a bunch of other people from different communities that we're already talking to and working with about helping them out with their content and community management. Um, so it's, it's really exciting because we are about to go like full send with this. And I hope, and I believe that in the next six months, um, you know, we're going to emerge from this as like a really, really big community and people are going to be like, wow, we slept on that. And we're gonna be like, yeah, you did, but you know what? It's okay. Cause we're welcoming and we'll let you in and we'll let you come and hang out and build with us as long as you give a shit about what we give a shit about, which is building the best future of Web3 possible. And so that's all I got to say. And BitConnect times two. BitConnect 2024. Let's go. Um, but that's all I got to say. That's the that's the the updates from what we got going on with the DGENs. Uh, I mean, there's a few other things, but that's all I care about talking about right now. So I will shut the fuck up about that and let us pass it over to somebody else. Kat, do you want to say anything? You got anything going on this week at, at Block Party? That uh, how's, Did you guys have your drop? Uh, no, we had to postpone that. And then uh, I believe we're going to be reannouncing what date that happens uh, shortly. Um, we do have an announcement coming out hopefully today, maybe tomorrow, about 
uh, a conference that's coming up next weekend. Uh, I can't say more because the announcement's not out, but like, I'm not sure how many conferences are next weekend. Is that the job fair in New York City you're talking about? No, there, there's one major conference coming up next weekend. Is it? Is it in New York City? No. What is it? Where is it? I I, I can't say. Like can you I'm say, not supposed to say. Can, can you? Can, is it, what nation is it in? It's in the U.S. Okay. I mean, like, can you give me if, a time? People are on like the conference world scene. They know which conference. It's there's like one major one. You know what? I'm gonna go fucking look up conferences right now. But uh, yeah, we'll have an announcement about that soon. Um, just doing some stuff uh, to try to, you know, highlight some artists, give them some screen time, oh. give them some love. Oh, I see. What you got going on there? That one. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we figured it was a good one to go to because, um, something like that needs some real art at it. That's really exciting. You're always, you're always on the go. I wish you should put like a little GoPro on you when you go around and, and we should just like make a time lapse of you traveling around the country. And then like, we can, we can like zoom, we can like, so we can zoom out. Right. And then, but not like the typical zoom out. Like we'd have like the, like if it was a, a video, like you would shrink, like think of like a PBS style animation, like maybe Sesame street, like the frame of cat, like with like your first person view time-lapsing would like shrink back to the right. And then like, like almost like it's orbiting around something. And then from the left side, you would get like a map that would come from like the left side and swing in and like take over the screen. And then it would be like a little after effects map of like the United States, like a little dotted line of you like traveling between different spots, maybe like a little flag that goes up with a little cat face on it whenever you stop somewhere. Can it be like whenever Indiana Jones travels and he gets a little montage of like planes and buses? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll have that a part of that as well. Something like a Dan Aykroyd movie. Yeah, I think that'd be lovely. I would love to do that. Yeah. You're, you and me, I think seriously, we, I talked to Andrew and Alex and uh, we are going to go to Hobby Lobby and film that short. Awesome. I, I think that it's a great idea for a short. And I'm not just saying that because I thought of it. <laughs> I mean, that's partially why I'm saying it. That's that's definitely had influence. Oh my god, that's a good one. <laughs> if anybody else has any ideas for short, send them send them this way directly to us. DM us, uh, send, you know, via via letter. Um, shorts at mindfuldgens.com. No, I'm joking. We haven't got that ready yet. Just just regular GM at mindfuldgens.com if you want to email us though, because that's you know it's Web three baby. Um, burn pile. Did you have a space yesterday with the turkeys? Oh, yeah, I did, Dennis. It was really great. We had a great time. Uh, we talked about stuff for a little bit. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Fats, did you get answers to your, your database questions this morning from my brother? Wow. Bing bong. I'm here. I'm here. No, I had to move in some boxes right now. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I did. I think we're supposed to hop on a call tonight. He's going to help me out and teach him some of the stuff he learned in college, uh, which would be really handy. He's Probably really smart. 
Yeah, he I was over tell. here last weekend talking about like him and I went and, and like just talked for like an hour and a half, and he was just breaking down all the shit that he learned over the last semester, which is pretty cool because he's getting more into what we're doing now. When like a year ago, year and a half ago, he was really just into a lot of front end stuff. And I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but he was just, he was just doing a lot of front end stuff and like, and, and, and like learning basic, like Python and shit like that. And now he's past that and he's actually gone. Oh, C and Python is what he was working on. And now he's actually learning like database management and, and building them from scratch with code and shit. It's bonkers. That's pretty cool. He's probably a little bit better than me. Uh, we might be and in some area, at least in database. I mean, he's been to a class to it and stuff. No, I think the two of y'all would be a powerhouse in Python. I, really like believe, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. can already tell. Uh, it's always good, man, to meet people who like, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I can be doing something and somebody like hits me in the DMs and they're like, Hey bro, can you help me with this programming thing? Like I'll drop what I'm doing and just help you. Like I just enjoy it. You already it. did, bro. You helped me get that, that my first fucking discord Python bought up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always uh, ready to, I think that's every programmer though. Like it's just, especially like as a junior developer, it's like, you're always, it's just so cool. Like everything you're learning, it's like, holy fuck, this is so cool. Like I just want to tell somebody. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the vibe. And then Boop too. Boop's, Boop's such a fucking cool dude. We talked to him. He's gonna help us out uh, with some internal development stuff with the DGens. We're gonna be kind of like working with different NFT projects. We talked about that yesterday and the day before. Like we're gonna be kind of like white gloving as a as a community, um, different nft projects throughout the year and we just want to like commission them and like work between artists and and um you know the community as a whole to kind of like put these ideas together and really push the envelope of you know what we can do together we already got one that we're i'm finishing up a deck for it today and, and getting all of the stuff organized and next week we're going to start actually like working on it and getting you know things signed and and, and all the fucking t's crossed and i's dotted but um it's really 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 cool because especially on the on the smart contract side because like what we're the one that we're working on right now we're trying to do something and we just need somebody that can like help ideate and help like like break it down and that's the cool thing about being like a product manager or a product designer is like you don't have to code you just have to know what needs to be coded and who to talk to so like you know what we're working on right now is pretty much a nft project that's like like a micro project um with you know a bunch of you know not a bunch you know over 100 less than 125 150 um items all together in the in the project but they're going to be in like groups and we're going to have a thing that essentially happens after certain groups get collected in entirety then we're going to have another on-chain event happen like an airdrop type thing so we're essentially and then, so that's within the project itself. Like we're going to have like little groups. So if you can think of like the board API club, like if all of the cheetah skins got together and got minted and then, you know, something happened just for them, that's essentially what we're working on for this first project. But, you know, that's just this project. We wanted to do something different than a PFP. And we wanted to do more than just say, oh, it lets you unlock a door. You know, if we're going to do something creative, we really want to go full send with it. So that's what we're working on with this one. And, um, you know, we've got a few others down the line that are kind of like already backlogged so if you guys got ideas too if any of you have been wanting to work on an nft project if you've got art that you wanted to put into it if you're a developer that you wanted to get into the coding side you know whatever get up with us because that's like really the purpose of of us as a community aside from hanging out and shit is like learning and building together 
And so like, this is the cool thing. Like if anybody wants to, like we're about to go full send into this for like the next, like probably eight weeks, eight, 12 weeks. And then once this first one's done, we're going to try to take on like a couple more and then approach that on like a three to four month scale at a time. Yeah, that's uh, a great point at first. You know, like you don't have to be a programmer or like be anything to have a good idea. And like, you know, this space is so collaborative if you know the right people or, you know, you do some work to find the right people. If you have an idea, uh, you know, like people are willing to work with you to make that happen. But uh, yeah, I think that the projects now that like have something like really unique about them, like there was that one where you, uh, like the project's like one big picture or something. And when you buy, I think you know what, you probably know what I'm talking about. And like when you buy one of the NFTs, you're actually like a little like 16 by 16 pixel mm -hmm. piece on the big picture. You know what I'm saying? And you can yeah, like, yeah, I forgot the name of that, but it's kind of like the place on Reddit. Right, as right, NFT yeah. format. Right. I think little projects like that that have some sort of like program or something behind them, dude, those are like always going to do good. So if people mm -hmm. ever have ideas, like, I mean, it's kind of like what I was trying to do with, uh, you know, typos NFT. It's like, Something that's different and unique and shows like, hey, you know, there's more things that can be made with this than just the profile. Bing bong. Well, and that's it. And then and I'll let you talk. And I just wanted to say one last thing to Fetz. The, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing because I was saying that too. If we analyze you know, what makes the Board Ape Yacht Club worth so much, uh, it's not the art. It's not the colors. It's not the number of pieces. It's the fact that they have a group of people that are willing to pay that much for the fucking token like that's that but why is that and if you really break it down it's because it to me it's an anthropological thing uh the board ape yacht club was probably the first full-scale social commentary piece um well not necessarily social commentary but it generated social commentary and it was able to it got people to ask questions why what is that where who who are the people all of the fundamental things that helped wrap people's head that were laymen that were completely outside of the space around the basic value props of what blockchain and decentralization is about the fact that it's a it's a group of people it's a team it's distributed it's it's generative art it's using code to put individual unique pieces together but furthermore it was the first project that really got those laymen's to understand the difference between an nft well right and that's you and the regular exactly tokens. what make, makes it worth the money it is and it's because they took a generative generative different pieces of layers of art and had a program put them together on top of each other to create custom characters and it's like okay that was you know that was the first time that was done you know that or at least that i know of and you know that's why i feel like it's popular it's like holy shit like they made mm -hmm. like these are generated well, it, that's definitely it but i think it was even a step further from that it was like what that generation facilitated was to give people the concept that each piece was truly unique it's easy for you to say this token is unique but it's digital and it's virtual so you can't actually see it you just have to take my word that it's unique but to have a a, a picture that's associated to it and is very similar like i would compare like video games it's like you ever had a character in a video game like you could change their shirt you could change their skin tone you could change their hair their outfit everything now imagine that for every single one outfit and and you know a uh, collection of characteristics that, that you could create for the character you had a single file that was representing that that was able to like stamp that in so that's kind of like how i explain to people like yo like all of those individual things make it to where that information can be represented in the file itself which makes it to where it is inherently unique another thing that i like to tell people is that 
programmatically, like systems wise, like the computer itself, computationally, NFTs do not inherently have a value attributed to them, whereas fungible tokens do, at least an arbitrary value that's relative to the other fungible tokens. NFTs, as far as a computer system is concerned, has to wait until the value is determined or input into it, whether or not that's derived from a relational value, comparing it to all of the other tokens within its own collection or ecosystem, or if it's something that somebody is actually saying, yo, this is worth $150. That's something that if it's an NFT, any program that's interacting with it is not going to be able to derive any value aside from what is specifically put into it. And that from a like computational standpoint, when we're talking about the future of what blockchain is going to unlock is so important. What's good, Emma? I kind of totally forget what I was going to say. I think it had something to do with um, like people looking for artists essentially, because like I consistently have so many ideas for art and NFT projects and nothing to do them with because like I'm not a programmer, I'm not a developer, I am just an artist. Um, and without as much time as I would like to do all of these projects. You should talk. Let's let's get you and Shaf together because I've already talked to Shaf about it, um, about having him come on as kind of like a, a project liaison that can kind of like help figure things out with NFT projects and work with artists to kind of like put strategies together and stuff. Um, I think that's something that you could definitely probably help out with too. Uh, and especially because I, uh, I assume that over time, it'll probably be easier for us to write code and create contracts than it will be for us to put art together. So to have you locked in, that would actually be something really cool because I really feel like you are, creative and artistic enough that like you can help create assets shit i just got a call from somebody last night that's saying pretty much they need a team to help with because the, they're a big they're a bigger agency they need a, a team that can help with their smaller clients that are just too small for them to justify spending time with mm -hmm. but they need help generating their nft assets for business clients like that are going into making nft passes and stuff like that is like genesis mm -hmm. things they need teams that can just knock out the um creative side of it yeah um well like i literally have like a project I'm, I'm working on in my head to do with like the sex industry um and basically making like sex toys that are nfts and then that'll get you a sex toy that'd well, be you interesting can just do it because like i mean i was able to do a project you just have to do more on the project management side of planning but you know, if you come yeah, up with a so decent like, business I'm structure, not you good at those things. I I can do the art. I can be the creative. I am not good at advertising myself. Is the problem? So I'm not the best at advertising myself because I say dumb things on Spaces a lot. Bitconnect, uh, bitconnect. But uh, like. You know, that's why I hired a manager for my project when I was launching Other Worlds. Yeah, and when I was like, a pole bitch that's just able to pay your rent, you can't afford a manager. He paid his manager in equity. I paid my manager in equity. Meaning percentage of sales when the project dropped. So, you know, I had to come to him with an actual business strategy of yeah. I was like, this project will net 15 ETH if it sells out. 
X amount is allocated for my dev team. We're going to hire a dev team because I can't code and I don't have time to learn it. And X amount is going to be allocated to you. And your job is to ensure that it sells out. So you tell me what interviews you're setting up and I'll attend them and do the interviews. You help create pressers for Twitter and stuff. So and here's my next question though, is that did you have money going into this beforehand to do all of that? I, a lot of people do not. The only money that I needed beforehand was for the dev team that I paid. And that's because they gave me a better deal if I paid them up front. But I think I could have worked out it in equity if I wanted to, in which case my only costs would have been the costs of books and glue and knives. Okay. And but again, it's like you... logistically, I haven't been able to afford to do anything. And that's where we got you, Emma. That's kind of like one of the things that we want to do as, a, as, as the DGENs is like come together and, and create a mesh um, community where we can kind of like fit in and fill each other's gaps. So like if you're an artist and you have the ability to, to create all of the art and the story and the concepts, then you can come to us and we can help you kind of like extrude from that and extrapolate um, you know, a business plan from that, that we can turn around. And like Kat was saying, then find other people in the community to fill in those spots. So like we got Boop down there who was like, we're going to have him helping us out, put strategies together to um, create, you know, on the dev side. So whether or not, you know, hopefully our goal is to be able to have development run in house too, which where we can work between the few developers that are in here and we can equally share the work between each other. And yeah, it's going to be a learning process, but I've written my own smart contract and I'm fucking one fifth of, of as experienced as Boop is at what he does at, at, at the minimum. So it's like, there's the, and that's kind of going back to what I was saying at the very beginning, back in like January is like the actual barrier to entry right now is so ridiculously low. And what it takes to write a smart contract is pretty much the same as what it took to make a website in 2001. If you didn't know how to, you know, like if you didn't know how to code, you were fucked. But if you spent, you know, 15 hours over the weekend, you could do it by yourself. And if you found a group of people to do it together, then that same 15 hours can turn out something that's five times better than what you could do yourself. So one thing I'll also add is that, you know, if you're going to create a project and, you know, financial costs are part of the issue, like it was for me, um, you just have to factor that into your internal business plan. You know, like it would be great to have like Toby Lasso who does like weather report and oversees Vinny's letters and things like that be my marketer, but it's just not feasible unless like I happen to just have a great relationship with him. But on the flip side, you know, what I ended up saying is like, well, why don't I go out and find somebody who wants to enter this space in marketing, uh, which is how I found Chasm. And I was like, you know, he seems very interested in entering the space. At some point, he's going to have to get his feet wet and take the risk and take the jump. And I convinced him like, hey, take the jump with me. And uh, so you can find people that are just like you're interested in making a project. There's other people that are interested in working well, in I Web3. Mean, like, I already do have stuff out there because Dennis encouraged me to just put my shit out there. But the issue is it's not selling. But, and again, like all of that, though, like it comes down to building a plan to help ensure success. Like 
I have pieces of I have pieces of art that have shown in France, Art Basel, etc., and they're listed under an ETH, and they're still sitting, and they've been sitting for eight months, and that's just a one-off, one of one. It's much harder for me to create a whole plan around strategizing to sell it, and the plan make financial sense with how much time it would take to implement it. But a big project, like a hundred-piece project, a thousand-piece project, you're going to have a lot more runway of expected returns so that runway can then be promised to people in equity and you can get people who are you know willing to risk some of their time for potential reward you know if the project fails everybody pays in time and learns Uh, and if you're going to be using it as like a a fundraising token or you're going to be using it to like make a like like you said you wanted to do a thing where like you have it essentially you're using it as like a subscription box model. Like that's what we're seeing a lot of people that are doing this, where they're using the NFT to essentially create like a subscription method where, you know, you can get a thing, you can come and get your haircut once a month for free, or you can do this or whatever it is. So I think that, you know, what you're talking about is kind of similar to that, where like you can have this NFT and then you can automatically get something or exchange it for something. And that's what the true, purpose of it functionally is is more or less to get the thing that comes with it and that's going to take you either that's going to that like if you don't want to put money into that and buy a bunch of of a product ahead of time that you're going to turn around and give out yourself that'll take you having to put a partnership strategy together to work with different companies to see if they would be able to you know work out some deal with you um to where they could you know essentially you know you split some of the cost or something with them or maybe they handle the 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 delivery and then you have to like have a, a procedure set up to like give them the information so they could send the stuff off and again like that's just planning shit though and that's what i'm saying like if you want to and you're about that life you're like we could put down some time to like sit down for 30 or 45 minutes and like see what we could structure out yeah sorry i have customers as well just, that's all good just a second they don't know that i'm here don't tell it's them about your nft sex toy project they'll steal the idea anyway but yeah, Goom, what's good, my guy? GM, GM, how y'all doing? Great. I got some Gooms over here on my counter. Nice. I got fucking COVID, so, you know, this is a great day to be alive. No bueno. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, good conversations. Um, and to piggyback off of what Kat project? was saying, um, like, I always, people that are trying to make a project, I always highly encourage um, as well, like Kat was saying, to grow and develop a team. Like, it's very, very, very important to have a person have a specific role because it's really hard to do it all yourself or to do most of it. It's just not worth the time and energy, and it's going to not come off the right way. But when you have a solid team that everybody's down and they're focused on a particular thing, it gives you a plan for success. And it's not you just working and grinding all the time. And then if it doesn't work out, it's only you that's suffering. When you have a lot of people, they're all risking their own time. Therefore, they're going to work harder and you have a lot higher success chance uh, than rather just doing it yourself. So just to piggyback off of that, definitely highly encourage, you know, get a team set up, people that are dedicated, willing to put in the time and effort, and you're going to increase your chances by tenfold for sure. I love it. No, that's that's a fact. Um, yeah, just like we were saying, you're gonna, especially whenever you in the space right now where I, I honestly feel like one, you know, 
this space, we know that risk is inherent and we know that failure is probable. And so I feel like the more that you bring people on to though, the more you like hedge against that, like, and, and some people think like you increase it more, but I think that it's the opposite. I think that the more that you bring on and you get people to have solid expectations to where everybody's okay with experimenting and everybody's okay with trying and, and saying that they don't necessarily know something and then learning together and leaning into each other. I think that that is actually what helps solidify concepts better too, because there's so many projects that like a guy will make up by himself and go run and execute. And then it like, you know, or maybe it's like him and two or three friends and it's like in a little echo chamber and then they put the whole thing together. They think it's great. They go launch it and it just crashes. And like, oh, what the fuck? Like, this is awesome. I thought it was awesome. You th- you guys thought it was awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. All three of us thought it was awesome. Hmm, market must suck, you know? But instead, you get five, six people together and, and everybody puts their brain together. Everybody starts chewing it up. Everybody's equally invested, but also equally experimental. So there's the the desire to be safe, but there's also the desire to be risky. And when everybody's doing that together and managing it, and everybody understands also that, the downside is if this fails, well, we got a shit ton of experience. It really makes things a lot better, especially if you're just trying to get better. That's why I got into it is like, I just wanted more experience. So even if I failed at something, I was at least able to sit down and look at my time spent and be like, okay, well, I learned something from that. Yeah. And I think if you're building a project from scratch, you need to set it up so that your pitch to those people gives them a win-win. For instance, like the person who wants to start making money at a job in Web3, doing community management in a Discord, like if your project's big enough that you think you'll eventually be able to pay this guy, you you tell him like, if this sells out, we'll be able to pay you. If it doesn't, we won't, but we'll totally tell everybody we know like you were a fucking awesome Discord mod for those three months. And like there, like that's a pretty good risk reward for that guy what he has to discord mod for three months and you'll start putting him on to other projects where he might get paid or if he does a good job and helps the project succeed he gets a job like that's not bad uh likewise you know every other aspect of it it needs to be this promise of you know if we all succeed and we're all holding each other accountable we all get money if we don't all succeed like we're going to at least be setting you up so that when you go to your next project, like you have a good resume of web three resume. hundred percent. And as well as paying outright, uh, like you mentioned, you know, uh, well, you know, if we sell out, right, we'll, we'll pay you. Right. Um, if not, you know, we'll recommend you to everybody we know. I mean, you can also offer, you know, your mods. I mean, your dev team's a little different, but when it comes to community management and moderators, you need, you got to have them they're not necessarily doing as much technical work uh, unless they're really, you know, godly at discord, but they're more so community management, keeping people interested, keeping the conversation going, keeping your chat active. Uh, I mean, you can offer them NFTs, you know, just guaranteed, you know, for being a mod for a certain set of time, you know, when we mint, you know, we're going to keep, you know, three or four or five, whatever NFTs that will be, we'll airdrop them into your wallet for being a mod. If we sell out, you're going to get a bonus of this much ETH or whatever, right? As a, as a reward uh, for having a successful project that launched and missing out. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things you can offer besides, you know, money, you know, reputation. You can offer them free NFTs for their hard work, right? So there's a lot of different ways you can bring people together and get them interested as well. But you got to make sure that they also have the passion for whatever your project is interested in. So 
um, I, I, I don't remember her name, but whenever she was talking about like sex toys, NFTs, you know, you buy an NFT, you get a sex toy. So you got to find a bunch of people that love sex toys, right? So good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, it's possible. <laughs> They're out there. No, yeah, facts. I think that this is a uh, space right now, too, that like, you know, typically we see a lot of people would be like, you know, especially the artists, nobody wants to get paid in exposure. That's like the worst type of payment. That's like when you go to a, when you're a great server and like they're like, man, you were the best server ever. Here's five percent. Like, it's just shit. It does nothing to me. Um, so I, I feel like what was it? What there was an analogy there. The, um, oh, there was, and it just disappeared. I made the analogy and now I fucking forgot it. What I was trying to analogize, analogalize. Fuck. What was it you just said? Doom? What was, what was what, anal OS guys? What, what was the, um, what was the gist of what you just said? Um, that you can pay like your community managers, moderators, your team, um, in NFTs as well. Oh. You don't have to pay them mm-hmm. cash, um, mm-hmm. or reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is one, what I was going to say is uh, exposure, getting paid in exposure. That's something that, like artists hate, but that's kind of like where we're at right now. I actually am, am of the mindset that like, yo, getting paid in exposure is okay if I'm the one determining the exposure. I do not like getting paid in exposure whenever I'm coming to you and you're asking for me to do something heavily commoditized and you're saying, oh, well, you'll just get the exposure for being there. But right. I like, like doing the other way around like all where I know that I'm is it exposure yeah exposure that's it so it things don't work out and you can't pay me in cash so all i'm getting is like this bad exposure of a failed project Um, i I see where you're coming from on that yeah there's so there's it's, it's you have to balance it though because like there will be people that will come to you and say hey we'll pay you and you'll get the exposure you know we'll pay you in exposure and that's always a red flag but look for the people that don't ask for that but are like very humble and actually realize that you are worth something and then go to them and offer them to do things in that type of exchange. And that's actually really opportunistic because that's a sign that those are the types of people that will put the energy in to actually build what they want to build. And they respect what you put into it. And so when you do show up and, and, and volunteer some time and energy, whether it's an hour a week or an hour a day, they're grateful for every bit of it. And you do just like Kat said, those are the people that will turn around and be like, listen, even if this fucking fails, we'll at least be like, yo, you were, you know, we'll put you on. We'll make sure that, you know, word of mouth, we'll put you out there and we'll make sure that everybody that we know knows about you. And that, you know, that's not something that you can necessarily pay the bills with right now. But if you do that the right way, that's a great strategy to actually move yourself into paying clients if you can triangulate it properly. question anybody got any ideas of some real life utility or partnerships for like a plant-based project or like a vegan project um like i've been thinking of like different utilities and like companies or brands that like my project could reach out to and try to partner with you know to bring some real life utility but i I haven't found one that's like nationwide that's very well known but any ideas on like utilities besides like you know, events and stuff like that, which is totally feasible. But um, yeah, so is this for the one that you have that you're that you're putting together? Yeah, yeah, I'm still working on the art. I probably need to get another artist to help me out um, for layers and stuff. Uh, Come but, to the yeah, DJs. Let's see what we could do. Maybe I can help you out. I'm good with the layering and stuff. 
Depends on what you need done, though. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got we, we got, got people though. Together. I would say, this is what I like to think about at the end of the day when I think of tokens and when I think of NFTs and 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 value props. Um, they're fundraising mechanisms. They are art, and they are ticketing systems. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, I I keep trying to find another bucket that exists, but I, I don't think that I can see one and I keep trying to. So if you guys can think of something else other than those three categories of what an NFT's use is, um, then let me know. But with that being said, I look at the um, fundraising mechanism and I look at the ticketing mechanism as the, what most people would consider like utility um, because the ticketing thing, you could token gate stuff. You can make it to where when you do this, you get another thing. If you do another thing, blah, blah, blah. That's, but it's arbitrary. It's, it's whatever the fuck it's, 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 you know, it could be a one-time event pass or it could be a perpetual, you know, subscription box thing. Um, and it's essentially the same mechanism though. Right. So you could be taking a snapshot once a month and then airdrop and then, you know, airdropping all of the holders that got snapshotted, you know, a coupon to go buy, you know, some fucking plant based food from the grocery store, partnering with a company that sells across the nation. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Definitely, like, I think probably like close to half of the proceeds will go to some sort of philanthropic organization that's focused on plant-based diets. But but I want there also to be some real-life utility that members can be a part of. Um, yeah. Outside of, like, charity and stuff, too? Right, yeah. Like, like I, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, there's a product, you know, you get a discount on or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, besides just community interaction and, like, getting together and, you know, hosting events or virtual events or whatever. But, yeah, still, still – brainstorming i guess yo what's up chef rogue uh what's up guys yo actually uh um not it's not a big deal but uh it's chef rouge um rouge yeah. what's up yeah, chef my, rouge? my last name is rouge but um and yeah what's up djens what's up goom um i appreciated your question it, it took my brains like moving kind of slow this morning so it just like took a while to like click but um i've been thinking about the same thing like i am but uh, planning to start like a like plant-based chefs and foodies um discord and which i think eventually they'll probably do some sort of project but um i was thinking if we you know if you did a um like an nft project then you could essentially create like a library that's available only to your um holders and so like with like plant-based cookbooks and essentially like resources like digital resources that people can access and have like a full library that um once you're a holder once you're like verified then you have access to this library of essentially just plant-based resources um so that i think that would be a cool that would be something i would be interested in and so i was thinking that would be a cool thing to offer people um, and then even, you know, along those lines, like not even necessarily a cookbook, say you have like, a um, the, you do ratings of the best plant-based pro- uh, products in each category, like yogurt, you know, milks, um, you know, whether it's created products or recipes, uh, basically trying to find the best of everything and then catering that and putting it in, in, you know, an easy to, uh, 
like absorb package or you know an easy to like access and um uh make it so that you know if someone's especially if they're like just going plant-based instead of having to do all this research themselves like you 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 know, cultivate this list or this um, library of like the best of, you know, everything in different categories. And then once they're a holder, then they have access to that library. I love that you say that because I've been telling people about this for a while. Uh, you can use what you're just talking about right there is basic token content, token gating. You could set up a website. What you're talking about right there is like the same thing as going to the New York Times and logging in with your email and password. Yeah, exactly. The only difference is that instead of you having news articles on your site, you're going to have all of that stuff, you know, recipes, it could be onboarding and educational information, um, you know, tips, tricks. And also one of the things that I want to highlight that you brought up, and this is something for like everybody to think about too, is like, there's a lot of times that we like, like the, 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 the checklist and stuff like that. A lot of that is actually, I would say rooted in the brand more than the NFT itself. And that's going to sound like if you think about it like that, it'll actually be easier for you over time to, to kind of like build stuff out because the NFT itself is just code. It's just going to allow, it's like, like I said, it's, it's, it's going to allow somebody onto your website. It's going to give them a thing every once in a while, but what it ends up doing is going to be determined based on what you want to do with your overall project, not just the NFT itself, but the entire thing and what it, what it's rooted in the value system, the purpose, um, the messaging and all of that is like very much the same as like brand strategy. So coming up with like the concept of like, what do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Who do you want to impact? What, how would you define the value system? What things would you talk about and who are the people themselves? How do you identify them? That's all brand stuff. And once you start really thinking about that, then like you're talking about, you could sit there and knock out a messaging strategy where you're like, okay, well, duh, like onboarding and education, we could be making checklists, we can be making recipes, we can be making videos for the recipes, we could be doing tutorials, we could be explaining, you know, different types of processes for making different types of plant-based protein, um, getting technical, like there's so many ways that you could really start to dig down into it. But if you look at it from the aspect of how do I tie that into the NFT, it might be really hard. So instead I try to tell people to like think of the nft and be as simple as possible with it and be like okay this allows people to do this and then you're going to design it based on your brand and based on what you're trying to do and who you're interacting with that's all i had to say but i love your points and i love the concept and challenge yourself to think about it like that too it really is just the same as going to a website with an email login but instead of it being news or something it's whatever you decide and instead of it being an email and a password, it's a NFT in the connected wallet. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think, you know, that's also when it makes sense to build a community of, you know, people who, whether they're content creators or um, like, or other brands, but having that where you essentially have a community of people that can contribute to that. And then especially if it's stuff that's exclusive to your project, then you really have something valuable that you can be like, Hey, like you're not going to get this anywhere else. Cause it, it doesn't exist anywhere else. Yo, facts. And one of the things that is cool to think about too, and kind of going into what you're about or kind of going in the direction of where you were going is that I like to also think of NFTs as direct marketing tools and mechanisms like this you can have a nft and you can 
say, you know, somebody can take that. And when somebody has that NFT, assuming that you gave it to them, they bought it, they were, it, it, there's, there's a connection there. Like they wanted the NFT, not like it just ended up in their wallet, but like assuming that that person did something to get that NFT, um, you can use that kind of in the same way that cookies got used in web two. You know that whoever has that, you don't even know, but the cool thing is you don't even know who they are. So you just know that whoever has that, as long as they were the ones that went and got that NFT themselves, which has to do with your strategy for promoting it and getting holders, then if you do it the right way, you know that anybody that has it is interested in what it is that you're about. And so if you want to launch another project or if you want to, um, you know, partner with somebody else and maybe, maybe some, maybe, maybe you end up having, you know, a holder base. And, and this is like terms that I think are going to become relevant over the next like five years. But let's say that you have 5,000 holders for your NFT that are all in um, and your NFT and your project is about plant-based foods and, and, and lifestyles. Um, then you can go and be, you could be approached by a tofu company that could easily come to you and say, Hey, we're launching an NFT or we're doing this thing over here. And we know that you have a community of 5,000 people that are really into it. So they could launch an NFT that gives them a discount for that food, that, that item, maybe it's a new company that's launching and they really want to get in directly with that community. They can work with projects like you for you to partner with them, for you to potentially distribute their tokens to your existing holders as airdrops that they could use to redeem for something else. You have to be careful with that, but if it's done the right way, I think it could be done very, very well and it would have massive impacts. Awesome. Such good advice and, and, and ideas as well. I, I was thinking along the same lines as you, Chef Rouge, um, as far as like content goes to the community, having like shared recipes and cookbooks. But yeah, I, I messaged you a while ago, Chef. Uh, we're definitely going to do some stuff. I just want to make sure my art is like kind of like more than halfway done before I actually set anything up. I don't want to just have people waiting forever. So that's what I'm grinding on right now. Uh, but once I'm in a better position, I'll definitely be reaching out to a few people I know that are have pretty big um, influence in the space that are actually plant-based degens. Um, we'll definitely set something up. So I'm definitely going to put you on, my boy. Sweet. I appreciate that. I want to get put on. You know, um, you're going to stop eating meat. And I'll put you on. <laughs> He's like, I can't put you on until and you're 100% plant-based, bruh. And cheese. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> you know, the cheese is going to kill me, dude. I'm trying. Do you drink milk? Almond milk. Cow milk? Almond milk? Um, I would encourage all you guys, um, look on, um, you guys should look up the almond cow. If you guys uh, want to get away from drinking dairy um, and regular milk, if you like almond milk, cashew milk, um, it's actually a lot cheaper if you can invest into an, an almond cow and make it yourself and their product is like really user-friendly and easy and it's done in like three minutes um to make your own milk at home so i definitely look that up advice all you guys so stop eating dairy or drinking dairy. yeah have you tried it i've seen it like multiple times and they have like a, a commercial one that's like you you make like 10 times as much um because i yeah. i'm my own milk like every week and it's like i mean it's i'm used to it so it's fine but um it's yeah it would definitely be a lot more convenient to have a machine that could do it 
Yeah, I I have one. Um, I don't have the commercial one. I have I have the consumer one. Um, but no, it's freaking it's amazing. Um, and they have their own supply where you can get the nuts directly from them too. But literally, it takes like three minutes. It blends it up, makes milk. You're done. Um, and the commercial one, yeah, I saw that one too. If I had a restaurant that that was plant based or wanted to have that, I'd definitely invest into that because you can just make it yourself. You never have to buy it. You know where it's coming from. It's all fresh. Um, but yeah, yeah the, their their product is amazing. I would definitely encourage you guys to look into it. Nice. Yeah. And if anyone's ever had boxed almond milk, like fresh almond milk is like, it's like not even close. It's like, I I think it's way better than cow's milk. Um, And my, uh, Goom, you might want to try this. It, my favorite combo is almond, Brazil nuts, and cashews. And then uh, I recently started doing uh, pumpkin seeds, Brazil nuts, and cashews. And it's like super creamy and just like it's so good um i can send you the ratios if you want but um i definitely recommend trying that out yeah no, that sounds delicious me. brazil nuts oh, oh i can imagine i've never had what about like cream. hazelnut milk is that a thing i love hazelnuts i've seen I... hazelnut flavored milk but i don't know how much hazelnuts actually in there i haven't tried it yeah i'm actually like super allergic to hazelnuts and so oh. like Anytime there is chocolate, that even if it has traces, it like it's it's so weird. It makes my kidneys hurt. <laughs> oh damn! Well, I'll eat the hazelnuts for you, bro. I'll eat as many <laughs> as I can. Make sure that you ain't got fucking worry about it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got you. Uh, well, anyway, uh, we're going on an hour and a half here. It's been a hell of a good show this morning. Um, <clears throat> if I was in Maine, I'd say it was a wicked. It was a wicked good show. But uh, we ain't in Maine. We're in we're in Panama City, Florida. So we say y'all around here and up yonder and things of that nature. So um, about that time, I would say to wrap it up, uh, move on with the day. Thank you for checking out today's episode of Mindful Good Mornings. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Mindful DGens. Be sure to check out our YouTube to see more of our community-driven shows. You can also join our Discord by following the link in our Twitter bio. And as always, We look forward to seeing you.